Super Talk Mississippi media production. Only a few weeks left till the start of the college football season, which means we're only a few weeks away from our friend Tom Hart uh, calling games on SEC Saturday nights on the SEC Network. I'm definitely looking forward to that. I'm sure he is, too. I'll give you the, the biggest picture question I could imagine to start us off here, Tom. Who's the best football player in the SEC this season? Oh, my gosh. Just uh, you can't dive answer. In. Dive in. I mean, wow. Let's go for it, huh? Yeah. That's a hard, That's a much harder question to answer than uh, who's the best team or mm-hmm. who's the best offense or defense. Oh, golly, I don't know. Um, there's so many people in the running because I don't feel like there are two or three runaway obvious ones, right? Like last year going into the season, and you could make a case after the season, two best players in the league both played for Alabama on opposite sides of the ball. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't know that there's any one obvious pick right now. I mean, listen, we could get to the end of the season and Spencer Rattler could be the best quarterback in the league. I don't think that's going to happen, and the odds would be long. Um, but if South Carolina wins 10 games, it's because he's, you know, playing out of his mind. Um, I always look towards quarterbacks first. That's the easiest way to kind of judge these things. Um, but, yeah, there's not there there's not one obvious answer. Where would you go? I'm just curious. My first thought was Harold Perkins. Yeah, can you do it over an entire season, right? Yeah, that's, that's the question. But the, the wrecking ball that he was at the end of the year, um, man, if he can do that a whole year, you took you're looking at Jadavion Clowney type stuff, you yeah, know, yeah. or what we expected from Will Anderson. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's just so much harder to do for an entire season because now you're at the top of the scouting report. And defensive players are are much easier to take out of the game than offensive players. Very true. Very true. Texas A and M. When, whenever you talk to, about to anybody about A and M, they they like to say cautiously optimistic. But which one is it for you? Are are you more cautious or are you more optimistic about what the Aggies can be this year? I am. Um, I would choose a different word. I am anxious oh. about them. I mean they. It gives me anxiety thinking about how that coaching staff is going to work together. And, you know, Bobby Petrino, when he got a chance to, to meet the media uh, when their camp started, said all the right things. And and he delivered a message that is um, that is obvious. And he was able to simplify it, which is, by the way, what makes him a really good coach. He said, listen, I, I don't I've heard all this scuttlebutt about how we're going to get along. He's the boss. I do what he tells me to do. Um, if Bobby Petrino can be at his best and get that offense humming, then the sky's the limit. But inevitably, with every team, every year, no matter how good you are, there is a bump in the road, there's a stumbling block, there's a bad day, there's a bad week, there's a bad couple of weeks. And so it'll be like, uh, you know, real housewives of the SEC to see what are the reactions in Aggieland once they hit those bumps in the road. Um, 
And and so that's why I'm I'm anxious to see what it turns out to be. We, we, we look at Georgia. The coaches poll came out Monday. They're the number one team in the nation, despite the fact that Carson Beck has not, you know, really played any meaningful football. And it's because of what's around him. So with that same kind of, of thought process, and you know, we're looking at this Alabama quarterback uh, uh, battle, does it really matter who who wins that job for Alabama? Does one guy really elevate them that much more than the others? Oh, that's a great question. That's a great question. And you've caught me being a hypocrite because um, I've said throughout the offseason that the Alabama quarterback battle means more than anything, and yet I've just kind of moved past the Georgia quarterback battle. Um, and I don't know why that is. I don't know if that's just a gut feeling or the sense of urgency that's around the Alabama program due to Kirby's running it up and what his, you know, what he's been able to accomplish in building that program uh, in the same mold of what, what Nick did in Tuscaloosa. But um, as hypocritical as it may sound, I still feel like that, the Alabama quarterback position impacts not only what happens in Tuscaloosa, but what happens throughout the league. Because if they find another Tua, another Jalen, another Bryce, they can be a wrecking ball, as we all know. Shoot, if they have another Greg McElroy, considering what Tommy Reese's history is in terms of how they want to run the ball and rely on the tight end and, and, and be kind of – I don't want to say old school, but um, I think that's I think that's fair given what they could be. Um, and so I think that position, based on coming off of a two loss season, is more pivotal at Alabama than it is at Georgia. Uh, I don't know if that's a fair comment, and I could absolutely be proven wrong, especially if Alabama goes through the season and they have a good season. They play two guys, you know, and and they rotate through, or somebody gets hurt, and the next guy comes in and. Plays uh, fairly well himself, but my gut feeling today says that it's it's more pivotal position in Tuscaloosa than it is at, at in Athens. When, you, when we talk about SEC football, you know we look at the big games: Alabama, LSU, uh, Georgia, Tennessee. A game we've been talking about a lot on this podcast is Mississippi State at South Carolina. That's a huge early season game for for both of those teams. That's a game I could very easily see you guys calling uh, in, in Week Four. What are some under-the-radar games on this SEC schedule that, that have your interest, especially maybe like an earlier game? Wait, hold on. Let's hit rewind on the tape here. Yeah. You you presented this question by saying, we always focus on the big games, but here's a game that's not big that you're probably going to be calling. Like, what, <laughs> what kind of backhanded compliment are we dealing with here? Richard wrote this question. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> um. This is why I love the league. I mean, I have I, I would have to pull up my um, handy dandy computer here and and find a random, just a random team and their schedule because in this league, every game matters, and, and it may not matter to you know somebody sitting in Peoria, Illinois, but it absolutely matters and can be big games to those two teams and their fan bases. At the time, I, like, for example, um, Missouri, South Carolina was a huge one last year uh, and, and turned out to be really big for Missouri. Um, Texas A&M, Auburn on a cold Saturday night 
um, ended up being a huge game for Cadillac Williams at Auburn in a sold out stadium. So, um, you know, I think given where the East is going to be, and I'm going to miss, uh, I really, really am going to miss divisions next year because it's easier to kind of break things down. I think late November, South Carolina at Kentucky has the potential to be a game that matters um, based on what's going to happen behind Georgia on that on that side of the league. So I think that's one of them. I, I think the quarterback play in that one could be really fascinating. Um, I think that, you know, Kentucky's a team that you lose Will Levis, but you could be getting better at quarterback. I've been saying uh, that, yeah. Yeah, and it's not just they brought who they brought in, but th- their offensive line was horrendous last year. They're going to be better. They don't have much of a choice. They couldn't be worse. Um, and they've got a great trio of young wide receivers that have another year under their belt. They're, they're going to be game breakers. Um, all three of them can be. And if they stay healthy, I think I think the league will certainly take notice, if not all of college football. So, you know, close your eyes, throw a dart at the board at any game that's not, you know, LSU, Alabama, um, or the like, and yeah, you you all you can find great games out there that matter a ton. Let's do a couple of questions about Mississippi State before we get you out of here. Everybody I've talked to, you know, I've done a bunch of these interviews this offseason. I went to SEC Media Days, and it's always been about Will Rogers and the changes on the offense. And I understand it's a big topic, but this MSU defense returns a lot of production, including the top two leading tacklers in the conference a season ago. Is it just because there's this amount of continuity? Why why don't people talk more about how good State's defense should be this year? Great question. Um, the simple answer is that de- defense isn't sexy, especially on average teams, you know, middle-of-the-pack teams. Um, defense is fun to talk about when you have Harold Perkins, Davion Clowney, Will Anderson, some of these guys that, you know, we've talked about before. I mean, Missouri had an incredible defense last year and and um, should put up good numbers again this season. But the bottom line is the, the leftover storylines in Starkville start with Mike Leach and always will always include with his name, the air raid offense. It just so happens that Will Rogers has run that offense his entire life. I mean, the guy has barely been under center, you know, like literally with his hand on the center's butt in his playing career. In that same mold, he can probably count on one hand the amount of times he's taken a snap under center and turned his back to the defense for a drop or play action. That's all going to be new. And what I find fascinating about it, and and I I don't know enough to predict what's going to happen, is – Will Rogers has shown the talent to be an elite quarterback in any system he plays in. Um, and if he can translate that, it it will be one of the best stories in college football. If he can do in a pro-style offense what he did in the air raid, um, he's going to be better for it. And and I think it's it's probably easier from an execution standpoint to go air raid to pro-style Um, based on, you know, all the reps that they have within their receiving core and with, and with will. Um, But from a play calling standpoint, from a verbiage standpoint, and it's just like the, some of the growing pains that Spencer Rattler had last year that we talked to him about ad nauseum in production meetings. Like it's a challenge to go from 
uh, a one word play call, you know, six mesh, whatever to a, a seven word play call where you've got to memorize every bit of it. Um, so I, I think, I think that's the simple answer is the eyes are always on the quarterback and especially making this major transition. Um, it's, it's going to be a prevailing storyline throughout the season for state. Another last pace place prediction for Mississippi state at sec media days, but you know, as well as I do that state has overachieved almost every year in the past decade uh, of sec media predictions. Do you think this is, that's going to be the case again this year? Do you think state is going to overachieve in 2023? I, th- I think that to overachieve, if you're in a position in in either one of these divisions where you are a bottom tier team for for especially a team going through transition to overachieve um you you can't do that by yourself you need others to underachieve right you need somebody else to fail um and not just for that head to head win win but to give you some breathing room um the problem is I don't see anybody else in the division going backwards. I'm not saying that state's going to go backwards, but uh, I, I don't see AM being worse this year than they were last year. I think they obviously could take a step up. Arkansas loses a lot defensively, but they bring back a dynamic quarterback and a great running back. Um, I So, and by the way, that's, that's one of my issues with with predictions. Like you can have, we always you hear Nick Saban rant and rave about you know whether it's Saban or Belichick or Philadelphia 76ers, whatever. It's all about the process. Um, fans don't w- really worry about the process, right? It's wins and losses. But Mississippi State can have a good year and a bad record. Like that's that's absolutely attainable, um, or a losing record, I should say. And then to prevail and to finish ahead of expectations, not only are they going to have to play good football, but they're going to rely on have to have somebody else stub their toe. And with the strength of that division top to bottom, I just don't know who that would be. I have to see. Good thing we're going to play the games. We'll get to find out uh, who's who's who is going to be at the end of the season. So, I mean, aren't you tired of talking about it? Are like, well, let's, let's get to Labor Day, please. Here's the thing, though. I, I'm on this show with these two guys, and all they ever want to talk about is realignment and and playoff expansion and NIL. And so when I get a chance to do these interviews, buddy, I just jump into the college football. So I haven't gotten completely tired of it yet because, you know, three hours a day, I'm talking about God knows what over in the Pac-12. So that's why I appreciate Tom Hart joining me here on Thunder and Lightning. Appreciate your time, man. Looking forward to seeing you this season. I can't wait. I, and I can't wait for football to be here. Thanks, man. Thanks for having me. A Super Talk Mississippi media production.